Let's take our Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians 1. We're just going to read two verses in way of introduction to our series of messages for the next half a year or there three quarters of a year, however long it takes us. But uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, we'll read here in just a moment here, and we'll, afraid, we'll, we'll zero in on just one phrase of the two verses. 1 Corinthians 1, I'll let you remain seated as we get right into the study tonight here. 1 Corinthians 1, verse number 1 and 2, just follow along with me as I read, please. Paul, called an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God, and Sosthenes, we believe was a, a ruler of the synagogue that got saved, of course, a friend of, a friend of Paul's, our brother, unto the church of God which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints with all that in every place call upon the name of the Lord, the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. So I want you to notice verse number two is our text phrase that we want to just zero in on tonight in way of introduction, introduction to the introductory message, uh, which would be next week or the week after that, I guess. But uh, notice what it says, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth. We want to deal with the subject tonight here in the way of introduction. We want to deal with the subject of the church at, Amph- uh, church at Corinth and the church at Harvest. That could be a, considered a compliment or could be considered a cut down right out of the gate here, of course. As you might know, the church at Corinth was the most wicked church that was written about in all of the New Testament, of course. And we're going to look at a number of other churches here in just a few moments here that, that uh, the Word of God talks about. But somebody has called the, the book of First Corinthians God's medical journal book. And uh, it's filled with various local church diseases. Uh, the book gives the description of and prescription of many of these diseases and the num- number of talk- topics uh, and viruses are dealt with, of course. And, of course, in Chapter 1, we're going to find out deals with church division right out of the gate here in a few weeks. We'll get there. And uh, the book deals with Christian maturity, deals with uh, the subject of baptism, deals with future judgment, deals with fornication, marriage, Christian liberty, Christian conduct, personal appearance, communion, tongues, the resurrection of the dead, and several other areas, of course, and uh, that, that, that Corinthians speaks about, of course, and we'll look at that in more detail. Uh, the Bible says, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth. Uh, we get a map of Corinth up just to get your geog- geographical bearing. We'll take a moment and look and see. We have uh, uh, Asia Minor, and uh, I should have got a better picture uh, is that, is that the only picture we have, Caleb? I did, uh, well, next, next week, maybe we'll get a, next time we preach, uh, we get a different picture. There, there's the Temple of Aphrodite. Uh, when we went to uh, Israel, we, we toured Bed Sheehan. I'll just give you a little historical backdrop. Uh, Bed Sheehan, and I've never seen it, never wanted to see the blasphemous play in the movie that was made uh, 40 years ago. It was total blasphemy. I've never have seen any of it. And I'm referring to Jesus Christ Superstar that was uh, full of blasphemy, but it was, t- it was filmed at Bed Sheehan in Israel. I bring that up because you see the pillars there. I was shocked in the, the, the ruins. I was amazed when we went to Israel, Sonny, and I can testify to this. All the ruins of uh, the Roman aqueducts, the roads, the, the uh, temple buildings, uh, and Bed Sheehan is one of the most well uh, excavated. Uh, ruins in, in all of Israel. Of course, this is in Corinth, but uh, I've never been to Corinth, obviously. This is in Greece, of course. 
And my point is, uh, you learn so much uh, when you find out the historical background of, uh, of these cities here. We can tend to think that they didn't have any Las Vegas's of the day, they didn't have any New York cities of the day or, or New Orleans of the day, they did. They, in fact, their cities were very, they were very progressive and very, I was shocked with the modern uh, architecture that they had. I'm talking about 2,000 years ago. And uh, so I want to tell you four things about the city. We'll pick up the sixth message, Lord willing, just to understand the place of this, this ministry, this church was, was, was in, of course. The city of, of uh, Corinth was a cosmopolitan city. It was in the southern uh, Achaia, uh, northern Greece, which was kind of off the map, is uh, uh, obviously uh, to the north, obviously, Macedonia and uh, Achaia is in the south. And you see the, the, the isthmus there and the, 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 the city of Corinth, of course. And you see Athens to the right, Sparta. We've, if you know anything about Greek history, you know a lot about the city-states and Athens and Sparta. And uh, it was, uh, this is the, the rich part of Greece, the southern part of Greece. The northern part was the mountain, mountain villages and so forth and Macedonian uh, churches. Uh, uh, to the north were much poorer than uh, the city of Corinth. Now you can liken uh, Corinth to uh, maybe uh, uh, Greenwich, and you could liken uh, Macedonia to maybe Bridgeport. I don't mean to be, I'm just trying to give you a, a, a variant, of course. When we think of Greenwich, we think of Gold Coast, we think of money. When we think of Bridgeport, we think of usually uh, more poverty, of course, and that's the difference between the two, of course, in regards to just four things, truths about Corinth. It was a cosmopolitan city. It, was, uh, it had Greeks, Romans, Turks, Jews made up the city. It was a melting pot community, kind of like New York City, of course, for sure. But again, uh, it, was, uh, it was a materialistic city. It was a city with much means. It was probably the richest church in all of, I'm talking about uh, talking uh, financially, materialistically speaking. They were a port city. And they were very affluent, of course. And uh, so it was a cosmopolitan city. It was a mat mat materialistic city. It was a sensuous city. And uh, I don't mean to get graphic here, but another thing we found out when we went to Israel, even in Israel, and uh, you know, we think that our cities were wicked, are wicked, we're more wicked today than ever before. And we like to preach that as preachers and so forth, that we live in a wicked, wicked society, and we do. In the end time, the Lord find faith on the earth. But they had wickedness, believe me, they had wickedness back 2,000 years ago. And they, in some ways, they had more open wickedness than we had. Their pagan temples, of course, were full of prostitution and full of, uh, it was uh, Las Vegas, it was Nevada, it was uh, totally legal, of course, and it was even encouraged. And so it was a, it was a sensuous city, uh, full of immorality. And uh, uh, you could see it described, they had their own forms of pornography, quite frankly. This is, uh, we'll deal with this, Lord willing, in the next weeks as we go forward here. But, so it was, just, so just to get the backdrop, it was a cosmopolitan city, a materialistic city, a sensuous city, and it was a philosophical city. And they were given over to uh, Greek uh, uh, mythology, of course, and they prided themselves in their, their uh, Athenianism, their intellectualism. There are two words that would describe this city. They were at liberty. They, had, they, had, they believed in liberty and licentiousness. They believed in knowledge, and knowledge not God-based, but uh, uh, demon-based or God, small g-based, of course, and they were all in regards to, we read in Acts chapter 17 and 19 about Ephesus, and we read about, or not, I mean, 17 about 
Athens and Mars Hill, of course. And uh, so they were a very pagan society, of course. But, but tonight, I just want to zero in on the, the, the phrase, notice verse number two, that this book is not written to the people of Corinth, but to the church of God, which is at Corinth. And I want to deal with the church of God. I'm looking at the time here. I'm not going to get through the first part of the introduction, let alone the message tonight here, but we'll just do the best we can. Uh, there's a lot of controversy around the word church. I want to let you know that we find the word church, first of all, in the New Testament. The first time we find it is Matthew 16. Jesus said, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. The gates of hell should not prevail against it. We find the word church one more time in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's again found in Matthew, Matthew 18, 17. Uh, Lord talks about if uh, you see a brother overtaken in a fault and you agree on two, one or two, two things, two of you agree on, I'm paraphrasing, he said, uh, take it to the church, tell it to the church. Now we don't find the word church again until we get to the book of Acts. And uh, I just want to give you... Uh, Tonight, I, want to, I have about 30 verses here I just want you to listen to for a minute here, but uh, the, the word church is sometimes used in the 114 times you find the word church itself. One time it's used in what's called the Jewish sense in Acts chapter 7, verse 38. The Bible talks about the church in the wilderness or the assembly in the wilderness, talking about the Jews. Uh, it's used in the universal sense, supposedly used in the universal sense, and we're going to look at this more in detail as I'm sure in the coming weeks for sure. I just want to wave introduction. Hebrews 12, 23 says to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven and to God, the judge of all and to the spirits of just men made perfect. And so we have this general assembly and church of the firstborn, uh, which are written in heaven. And God has a list of everyone that has been, their names are found in the Lamb's book of life, of course. And the spirits of just men made perfect. I believe that's talking about the Old Testament saints uh, that, are there, that are in, in the Lord, of course. But uh, in Hebrews 10, 16, 18, I already referenced that verse here, talking about, uh, some call it, talking about the universal church, but the church in general. And uh, every born-again believer is part of the so-called body of Christ, of course, and we have verses that teach us this, and I'll say that for another day. But here's what I want to establish tonight. And it's established in our verse here. Unto the church of God, which is at Corinth. This is a local, visible, independent, if you want to call it that. Uh, we're an independent church. This is a, uh, undisputably talking about a, a physical, literal place, uh, a church that has a literal place of, uh, has an address. In this case, their address was Corinth. This, wasn't, this book wasn't written to the people of Corinth, per se. It was written to the church at Corinth. And I want to give you several verses. Just listen to, let's say, several verses. I have 20 verses here, and we're almost out of time already here. And I, Acts 8.1 says this, And Saul was consenting unto his death, and at that time there was a great persecution against the church. The church in general? No, the church which was at Jerusalem. And uh, the church got its birth at, at Jerusalem, of course. Acts chapter 2, we could go there, of course. In Acts chapter 11, verse 22, uh, Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas. Who sent forth Barnabas? The church at Jerusalem sent uh, forth Barnabas as far as he should go to 
Antioch, uh, Acts 11:26. Just listen to these verses. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch, and it was, came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church. So we have the church at Jerusalem, we have the church at Antioch. Here in our text, we have the church at Corinth. Follow with me, stay with me. Acts 13, 1, for example. Uh, see, over 90 times, so the 114 times we find the word church, what I'm trying to tell you is it's talking undisputably, indisputably about a local, physical, literal, visible group of people in a church setting somewhere, whether it was Jerusalem, Antioch, uh, Laodicea, Philippi, where have you. And 90, over 90 verses, undisputed, that it's unquestionably talking about a local church place. Uh, Acts 16.5, and so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. Talk about the churches, plural, and obviously talking about the local independent churches around Asia Minor and in, uh, in Judea and Samaria. Romans 16.1, I commend you unto, unto you, Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church, which is at Centria. Uh, and so she was a servant at the church at Centria. Uh, Romans 16.4, who have for my life laid down their own necks uh, unto whom not I only, only I gave thanks, Paul says, but also to the churches of the Gentiles. So he's talking about local churches of the Gentiles throughout uh, the uh, uh, Turkey and uh, Asia Minor, of course, and, uh, uh, and Paul's missionary journeys. Romans, in Romans 16, 5. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Speaking about, uh, salute my well-beloved Epinetus, which is the first fruits of Achaia unto Christ. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 23. In 33 and 34, all talking about the church at Corinth, of course, and it says, if therefore the whole church come together in one place and all speak with tongues, and then verse 33 talks about as in all the churches of the saints, verse 34 of chapter 14, in the churches, uh, let your ruin keep silence in the churches. It's talking about local, a local visible church, uh, uh, not an invisible church, not a universal church, not... In the church in general, this is in actual physical places. And uh, I'm going to have to skip some of these. We'll take the rest of our time just reading these verses. Galatians uh, 1, 2. And all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia. Uh, 122, Galatians 1, 22, and, and was unknown by faith unto the churches of Judea. So we have the churches of Galatia, the churches of Judea. In Colossians, we see the church at Laodicea and Nymphus, which is, and the church which is in his house. So we, again, speaking about local churches. And then Colossians 1, 4, 16 talks about the church, read the epistle in the church of the Laodiceans. And uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, let me, let me skip some of these here for time's sake here. Uh, 2 Thessalonians 1. Let me go to Titus for time's sake. Titus 1, 5. For this cause left I thee in Crete, Paul says to Titus, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting or lacking and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. Uh, Crete was an island in the Mediterranean. They said it was the island of 100 cities. 
And Paul said to Titus, I want you to go and ordain elders in every city. In other words, I want a local church in every single one of the uh, cities of Crete. First uh, Peter 5.13, uh, Peter talks about the church that is at Babylon. We think that was a nickname for Rome, of course. Uh, we read about Mystery Babylon in Romans chapter 17 and, and the, city sits on, uh, the woman that sits on seven hills, of course, reference to Rome. And, uh, and then we read about First John, Third John 3, of course, the church that uh, Diotrephes is in. We get to Romans, Revelation, Revelation 1 and verse 4. John wrote to the seven churches which are in Asia Minor, and uh, he lists them, of course. And we, chapter 2 and chapter 3, deal with the churches in Ephesus and Smyrna and Pergamos and Thyatira and, and uh, uh, Sardis, Philadelphia and Laodicea. And then Revelation 2, uh, 7, 11, 29, Revelation 3, four verses, it says, uh, he that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So I'm going to give you some observations here, and uh, I will finish up here in just minutes here. But the majority of the New Testament, what I'm trying to tell you, past the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, were the majority of the New Testament was written to local independent churches. We had the, the, the saints at Rome, but we had the, churches, the church at 1 Corinthians uh, and 2 Corinthians. It was written to the church at Corinth, first and foremost. Uh, we have the, uh, the church at Ephesus. We have the church at Colossae. We have the church at Thessalonica. Uh, we have the pastoral epistles uh, written to 1 and 2 Timothy and Titus. Of course, written to Timothy and Titus, obviously. And we have the seven churches of the Revelation. We have the churches at... Uh, Antioch, the Church of Jerusalem. And so the majority of the New Testament was written to local New Testament churches. Now, in a broad, painting with a broad brush, what was the majority of the Old Testament written to, uh, the specific group of people? Uh, not, not all, but not exclusively, but mostly to what type of people? Jews or Gentiles? Jews, of course. And uh, there was one place to worship in the Old Testament, of course. It was uh, it was through God's people, through his patri patri the patriarchs, as we talk about them, and then Moses, and then we read about the tabernacle, the tent in the wilderness, and the tabernacle, and then uh, uh, the, the, the temple that was built in Jerusalem, and, and the worship went primarily through the Jews, and specifically through the Levites, and they could only worship in one place, and that was in Jerusalem. In the New Testament, God has chosen to work his, do his work primarily through the local New Testament church. And that's where we have the ordinances. That's where uh, this, this, these 29 chapters, First and Second Corinthians, deal with these, this uh, local New Testament church. And uh, these books are local epistles or letters to churches, physical churches. And uh, God has a plan A to win the world to Christ. He doesn't need any plan B. Plan A is the local New Testament church, of course, obviously. And don't diminish, don't belittle the local church. There's no such thing as a perfect church. But God's, don't belittle your family for the record. God's got three institutions uh, that he's ordained. Some say four, but three for sure that we know of. Uh, he ordained the, lo the family. Wherefore, God has joined together, let not man put asunder. Uh, God has one man for one woman in the perfect Model is for a lifetime, of course. They twain shall be one flesh, and, and uh, a husband shall, a man shall leave his mother and father and shall cleave unto his wife, and they twain shall be one. 
And God needs no plan B for a family. God has the perfect family in mind. Not an organization that God has instituted is the, that of civil government. We could go to Genesis chapter 9 and read about Noah after the flood, or we could go to Romans chapter 13 and read about civil government, the powers that are be ordained of God, and that every soul be subject to the higher powers. And then, so God has an institution to win the, to, for the family, it's called the home. God has an institution for civil government or for society, and it's called individual governments. And, uh, and some are better than others. And then, then there's the local church, and it's God's genius, God's genesis, genesis to win the world to Christ, and he needs no plan B. Uh, people, even Christians, I'm afraid, dis dis despise the local church. We get this in 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 22. Uh, we despise the local, local church, of course. Uh, they, they despise the local church in their... Uh, giving of the Lord's Supper, or their abusing of the Lord's Supper, should I say. And so we are gathered together tonight in a called-out assembly, a local church. Uh, we are one of thousands and tens of thousands and maybe, maybe uh, I don't know how many around the world, hundreds of thousands for sure, maybe in the low millions, hopefully, of churches all around the world that are trying to preach the gospel of Christ. Every church that has the name church in their name is in a, is in a New Testament church. But uh, it's just a, it's a name that's used, and God speaks about New Testament churches. And a local New Testament church is an assembly of saved, regenerated, baptized believers having New Testament principles, practicing New Testament ordinances, having New Testament officers, and is actively engaged in carrying out the Great Commission. And uh, here's the truth here tonight here, and I'm, uh, I'm going to wrap up in about 90 seconds here. We'll pick this up, Lord willing, next time we preach on this subject here. But every individual church is like every individual Christian. There's, we still have problems. This church with these saints of God, this church at Corinth, there was a problem-filled church. I don't want to end on a negative note, of course not, but uh, Harvest Baptist Church is a problem-filled church, like probably pretty much every local independent church is filled with problems. But we're still called saints of God, and God has... Uh, he, one day he's going to present to us himself a glorious church, not having any spot or wrinkle. He's going to clean us up all the way. Uh, we're already positionally cleaned up, but practically we, we cleaned up. We won't walk in any sin any longer. And so God tells us, what's the application here tonight? We, we have problems in our church. Every church does. Well, we need to do five things, and I'll just give you the P's. We need to pray for our church. We need to participate in our church, get involved, get supportive, get faithful. Uh, we need to promote our church. We need to protect our church of its testimony, and we need to seek to have a pure church. And so uh, God's called, and the whole purpose of this book of 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, for that matter, is Paul is trying to tell this church through the Holy Spirit of God that uh, pray for your church, purify your church, participate in your church, promote your church, protect your church, because we're a church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. And all God's people said, Amen. Let's bow for prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for your love to us. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us to a, a church, a local assembly tonight, dear God. Lord, I pray that you'd, Lord, we pray for uh, forgiveness and mercy for, Lord, the, the many times that we as individual members uh, pollute and uh, pervert or, uh, Lord, uh, live an impure life, dear God, that affects the church, affects our families, and even affects our country that we live in, dear God. Lord, I pray for uh, 
Lord, that we might uh, love the church. You, you love the church. You gave yourself for it, dear God. And so we pray for your church tonight, dear God. We're just privileged to be a part of it. And Lord, help us to walk uh, an obedient walk, we pray. Help us to trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Lord, I pray you dismiss us with thy blessing here tonight. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.